Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. What is a Christian whistleblower? Well, you know, actually it started, I think somebody on your show made a a derogatory reference to me being a traitor like the Edward Snowden of the New Testament. I thought, you know what? I like that, the Christian whistleblower. And basically it's somebody that was in Christianity and like Mr. Snowden saw some things that he didn't think were right, some things that people need to know about. And that's kind of what I am, a person giving everybody all the deep, all the inside information, you know, shining a light in the dark corners of orthodoxy so we can all have all the cards on the table before we make our decisions in matters of faith, which really kind of more important than life and death, isn't it? It sure is. And it doesn't mean you're a non-believer by any means, does it? You know, George, back when I was a Christian pastor for 20 years, a Bible college graduate, and where I am today... I would say I'm much more spiritual, and I'm living much more in line with the words and teachings of the people of the man that people would call Jesus Christ. That's a great point. How did someone involved in uh, this kind of work end up investigating UFOs, extraterrestrials, and entities like that? The, it sounds like a made-up answer, but the truth of it is, and we've talked about this on this show before, that the New Testament is absolutely loaded with UFO, ET, and alien imagery. And even more shockingly, almost 100% of it in the New Testament is tied to the great events in the life of the man we call Jesus. Explain a little bit more, because I think this is as fascinating as it can get. Why? Well, I agree with you, George. And if you just take his the, the biggest events in the life of Jesus, we'll just talk about... Um, the birth of Christ. If you look at the birth of Christ, we read all these stories, we hear these stories, but if we get into the actual Greek language of the New Testament, we find that the shepherds were frozen and encased in blinding columns of light and were made immovable when they saw those angels. Uh, When you go to the resurrection, or excuse me, the crucifixion, you see that Jesus was hanging on the cross and all of a sudden, the sun was blocked out for several hours right during the middle of the day. And then all of a sudden, the sun shows up again. And if we look at the text, and you shared this with me on one of the other shows before, the, the Fatima story. Yes. It looks very much like it was a large UFO that was blocking out that sun. And Jesus expected to be on it. That's why he cried out, why have you left me here? So that's just a couple of tidbits, George, and it's a big, long trail and 15 books worth of information and lots of great shows on this channel. What do you think of evil entities, Jeffrey? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think that a lot, and when I say I think, it's from, I'll be 57 this year, George, and that makes 40 years of study in this. That's a long time. It is a long time. I don't look that old, but I am. <laughs> I mean, the studying part was a long time. <laughs> right, right, right. And 47 is not old if you're a tree, so I keep telling myself that. That's right. But as far as evil entities go, there are evil entities, but I, I'm sure that most of the evil entities that we encounter are really uh, energy that we put out from us that's unbalanced energy. And like salmon... This energy will swim around out there, but sooner or later it's got to come home to mom or home to papa to try to get fixed. And most of what we see coming back at us, it looks like an evil entity, is just energy that we've put out there. It's gained some sentience. It's gained some personality, so it doesn't want to be reassimilated. 
But most of the time, if we recognize that, we flood it with positivity, you can say love, it'll snap right back into phase, and what looks like a scary, horrible demon is really just something that you started and really only you can finish. Can we be sure that we're right, and that is that these things might not be evil, it's just something else? I don't think there's much that we can be sure of, George. In fact, you know, getting old again, the only thing I'm sure of is I'm not sure of much. But I know from experience that if you do it that way, upwards of 80 to 90% of things get taken care of. And then sometimes there are real things that go bump in the night, and that's when you might need some professional help or some more experienced help to come by. But if we would just realize that most of it, we can handle it because we're divine, we're sovereign, we're free, we've got the power. And I think we, we waste a lot of time being afraid when we really just need to stand up and use what's already ours. Jeffrey, you've been studying a lot about some additional information about our understanding of extraterrestrials. Where do you, where do you come up with this information, and, and how did you get to this point? That's a great question, George. And one of the, one of the shortcomings I have is I spend so much time studying my own material. I've got over 2,500 uh, videos on the, on the Christian Whistleblower channel. That's a lot of study. But sure I don't is. get a chance to really look at a lot of things. But I've got some great friends, and one of them is a man named Robert Stanley, who's a great guest of yours very mm-hmm. often. Good man. Wonderful guy, wonderful researcher. And he kind of put a bug in my ear several months ago. And we've been talking about ourselves and researching. And there's a growing belief, George, within the whole genre here, considering the possibility that there's a universal law governing the whole universe that states that if a race is malevolent towards others, if a race wants to do harm to others, there's a growing belief, George, that it's actually being restricted to its home planet. So malevolent ETs must stay home and they can't go out and bother other people. Interesting. Now, yet yet we hear so many cases of abductions and strange things happening. Who's doing that? That becomes the you know the sixty four thousand dollar question. You know, I've talked at length with Travis Walton. You've had him on the show, and lots and lots of people just like us tell stories of malevolent interactions with beings that they identify as being extraterrestrial. So it is a conundrum. But last week, we got some new information about those Tic Tac UFOs that the Nimitz aircraft carrier... uh, Yeah, that the Navy Navy pilots were chasing. Right, and there's a retired intelligence officer that broke some new information, George, that after the Navy pilots were chasing these things, there was at least one, maybe multiple, but at least one, Los Angeles-class nuclear U.S. Navy submarine that also cited craft that were identical in description to the ones the Nimitz were chasing, except, George, they cited them underwater, under the ocean, going in excess of 500 miles an hour. Wow. Submersibles. Submersibles, underwater submerged or unidentified submersible objects, or however that goes. But then the question came to my mind, 70% of this planet is covered by water. And only 5% of that water has ever been explored, George. That's right. So if we employ Occam's razor and we're seeing malevolent acts by beings that we're identifying as E.T., well, what if they're interterrestrials? Maybe they come from the oceans that we haven't discovered. 
Um, I've heard shows on this very uh, channel where people are seeing UFOs coming out of Mount Shasta, out mm-hmm. of Grand Canyon, out That's of caverns. Right. We've, just, we've explored very little of our underground. We had an ex-Navy person call us, Jeffrey, a couple of years ago who was on the uh, a ship in uh, aircraft carrier, and he saw underwater the lights of what he said was a UFO trailing the aircraft carrier. And he said the thing must have been 20 or 30 feet underwater, but he saw the bright light for the entire trip while they were in, in the sea. That's amazing. It is amazing. And then we haven't even really considered the fact that we're since we're talking about the Navy, Admiral Byrd, his reports of seeing an expanse of land beyond Antarctica that we've never you know, explored. And then since this is coast-to-coast AM, if we had beings that were traveling from our future back to us to harvest organs or to harvest genetic material because they're having problems in the future, they could be doing that, which is a malevolent act, but they wouldn't be in violation of that law, George, because they're from here. That's a good point. Why do you think the Navy is not disclosing? I spent nine years in the Navy. If I was back in the uh, public information desk, I'd be trying to leak this all over the place. But why are they holding back on this information? Well, first of all, thank you for your service. I really do appreciate that. Thank you. You too. And second of all, I would think that, you know, I'm, I'm an American. I'm a patriot. I served in the Air Force. And I'd like to think that they're trying to protect us. They're trying to manage it. I'd like to think that they're afraid that there'd be a panic, that things would get out of control. You know, I don't want to think that they're trying to keep things under control. I think they're trying to manage fear. And until I get a better answer, I'm going to be content to stay with that one. I think we're ready to to be told things, don't you? I absolutely do. I think they underestimate us. But, you know, when you're in power, George, and if you <laughs> if you see yourself as somebody that's sort of running an asylum, it's kind of a tough way to give the inmates too much information. Well, absolutely. And I think one of the ways they could present it to us would be to say, look, we have withheld this information from you for, you know, hundreds of years because we were afraid you could not handle it. That's the only reason, folks. We didn't do it to deceive you or anything else. We just felt that, and we might be wrong, but we felt that you could not handle this and that you would panic and we'd have all kinds of problems. Right, at right. That, at least people would accept that as a possible excuse. I think so, George. And if you think about it, to me, the possibility that these beings might be intraterrestrial and not necessarily extraterrestrial, to me it makes it a little bit less scary. Well, if they're from here... Perhaps we can talk with them. We can work with them. We're not, you know, if they're from out there, we're kind of sure they're going to shoot us with ray guns and eat us. But if they're from here, maybe not so much. And it might ratchet down some of the fear and dread. And I'm not saying there's not extraterrestrials, but I'm saying that maybe we could possibly open our minds and think, hmm, maybe there's some intraterrestrials, and we've got some places here that are worth exploring as well. I have to ask you this. I had a guest on a couple of days ago who believes that Prince Charles is the next Antichrist. What do you think of that? Wow, that's an interesting one. I haven't heard that 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 uh, and, name. I know that's a new twist. In a while. I think that you know that's a very interesting thought, and people have a lot of ideas, and they're all welcome to them. That's what makes this uh, great world of ours go around. But as far as the term Antichrist biblically. 
It doesn't mean some guy in the future that we're all going to pin a tail on. Who is it going to be? Antichrist simply means against the anointed or against the message of the anointed. So like they said in the Bible, there's already, there were already many Antichrists then, and there's been many more. And I don't think we do ourselves a favor or a service when we start trying to play pin the tail on the Antichrist. Well, that's a good point, too, Jeffrey. And, and I'm just, you know, I'm thrilled that somebody who has so much biblical knowledge would be involved in the kinds of ET work you've been doing. I think that's a great uh, mix. Well, you really can't avoid it. And another thing that made it even more real to me is I've started doing a lot of work recently with Joseph Atwell, the great author of Caesar's Messiah. Mm -hmm. And he's gone a long way towards convincing me personally that Rome was written, or the New Testament was written by Romans, by the Flavians. And then I had to ask myself, I know it's full of UFO ET imagery. Why would the Romans or the Flavians write that? And as I started studying Roman history and Roman literature, Roman fiction, George, I would challenge you to read one page of Roman history and literature and not find some allusion to extraterrestrials or beings in the sky, armies in the sky. The Roman culture was absolutely chocked full of UFO, ET, and alien imagery, so it makes perfect sense that a New Testament they wrote would be the same way. Oh, it's it's all over the planet it, in just about every culture. I mean, in Central America, you have Lord Pakal sitting at a, a, a stone block, a chipped-away artifact that clearly looks like he's behind a flying saucer with a bunch of controls. You know, I know there's a lot of discussion about that, but I couldn't agree with you more. I, and I actually talked to Giorgio about that just a little bit, and I think he's right on. Yeah, he, he sure is. So what's your next work? What's your next series of studies? Well, the series of studies I'm working on right now, George, is trying to find out what happened. I think there was a genuine, real spiritual renewal uh, right around the year zero or the the turn of B.C. to A.D. I think there really was something that happened there. And sure, Rome swooped in very shortly thereafter, put the quash on it, destroyed Jerusalem. And I'm trying to really find out, number one, what happened there in those early years before A.D. 70. And then what happened from about 1100, when Rome really kind of lost control, up until the publication of the King James Version, and what's going on now. And it seems like Rome kind of got taken over, but not really taken over, maybe just got um, acquired by another conglomerate. So we kind of still have Rome, but it's kind of like Rome under a new name now. So it's, it's a lot of, lot of puzzles, a lot of interesting stuff, and that's kind of where my mind is going these days. Do you think Jesus was an extraterrestrial? Well, George, all I know is that Jesus said, I am not of this world. And if you believe the Bible account, the Bible says that the gods, it says Elohim in Genesis, I don't want to get anybody's, anybody's dander up, but it says they came here, it created the heavens and created the earth. And George, I'm not that smart, but if you come and create a heaven and you create an earth, that means that you probably weren't from that heaven or that earth. So by definition, the God of the Bible has to be an extraterrestrial. Interesting point. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.